this is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and man am I dead. The Chicago White Sox suck. They don't suck, which is the worst part about it. They're just so average that they ended up coming in second place. You know what? We've all heard it before. Jerry Reinsdorf got his wish. He loves when his teams finish in second place. There's clips of him saying it because that means they come into next year more hungry. It's a better money-making opportunity. It's a better opportunity for him to pay people less. There's nobody that I would rather bring in right now to talk about this stuff Of course, I'm talking about somebody who has become a friend of mine through the years. I'm talking about Sean Sierra. Sean, your Sports Zone Network, man, it's been taken off. Before we get into the White Sox, tell everybody about what's going on with you. Oh, man. Hey, Vinny, thanks. I appreciate it. I appreciate the kind words, man. Um, Appreciate being able to talk White Sox with you, man. You know, I'm a Southsider through and through. You know, grew up on uh, 63rd in California, St. Rita High School. Uh, I used to walk. We used to have walkathons to Comiskey Park for fundraisers. So, you know, Sox fan through, and that was the old, that was Comiskey, of course, not the new place. Uh, so, so my loyalties with his team are deep. You know, my favorite uh, Sox guy is Harold Baines. You know, uh, Harold, and then Ozzy, and then the Big Hurt. Uh, I love this team a lot, and uh, you know what? I was just really disappointed in what happened with them this year. You know, in Sports Zone Chicago, I've been very critical of them, uh, and not in a meathead way by any stretch. Because um, I know we, we Sox fans can get very meatheadish uh, about our boys, um, but uh, it's been frustrating, man. It's been frustrating over here talking about them in Sports Zone Chicago. Frustrating listening to my Cub fan friends give me shit about <laughs> these guys. Uh, it's been frustrating, man. It really, really, really has. Yeah, those Cub fans have nothing to talk about. We'll get into that in a little bit. But before we get really deep dive into it, you got a channel on – Is was it a Roku? You got a channel for your show? I mean, th- this network of you that you're building is doing outstanding. Tell some folks about it. Yeah, guys. So, listen, you know, we have uh, five live shows throughout the week. Uh, Sean and Maya in the morning is our flagship show. Obviously, it's with me and my co-host, Maya Akai. Uh, she's been in, in the industry since about 2010, I want to say. Uh, well-respected in the industry, and we just, we just wanted to create a platform for uh, uh, talented people who want to talk Chicago sports, all right? There's just there's just a lot of people on there. There's only, believe it or not, there's only two radio, Chicago sports talk radio stations in the city. And we're like, wow, that's unbelievable. And there's just a far, there's a, a slew of talented people and, and crews that need to, need to have their, uh, um, their work, you know, available to the public. And so, 
That's why we created it. So we, we started off just on Facebook and YouTube, and then we grew. We have a mobile app. So wherever you get your apps from, uh, you can download Sports Zone Chicago, and uh, it's, they're archived there like they are on YouTube and Facebook. And then we said, let's te- let's step it up a notch. Uh, and we, we um, you know, had, went into uh, – I looked into how to get a Roku channel and uh, how we can get it on on there, and we did. And, man, it's, it's really – it's it's fun. It's great. It's uh, people are, are are checking it out or flocking to it. And just like the app, you can watch us live. You can watch us on demand, kind of like a Netflix. You can go back and check out the shows and go back and and see them whenever you want. So it's really fun. Um, it's really good. I'm happy with what we what we're building. Uh, we're not done by any stretch, but it's it's been a, a lot of work to this point. And you know what? It really hasn't seen. When you sit back and look at it, it's been a lot of work. But in the process of it. You know the old saying: If you do what you love, you never work a day in your life, and that's how that's how it's been for us over at Sports Zone Chicago. So make sure you download the tile, uh, Sports Zone Chicago, and all your Roku TV, uh, Roku devices. You guys know how to do it. You download it, HBO Max and Hulu Plus, and or Hulu and Showtime and Stars, and if not, your kids did. So make sure you have them download Sports Zone Chicago. You see the you see the logo. Oh, you see the logo right here. You know that uh, that logo will pop up. Just download it. And put us right smack dab in the middle of Disney Plus, HBO, Netflix, all that other good stuff. I love it. I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, I have it downloaded. It's it's really cool. I'm I'm a big fan of this, the shows. So of course, one thing I'm not a big fan of is when the Chicago White Sox come into a season with legitimate expectations that they will at minimum win the American League Central Division, and then you see what happens in the playoffs. The World Series was very much in play in a lot of people's minds, and then by the end of April. It really looked like things were going to be difficult for this team all season long. What do you attribute it all to? Dude, I only got an hour and a half, bro. (laughs) (laughs) In a nutshell, in a nutshell. All right, that should give us about 45 minutes. Okay, good. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of things that didn't play, man. It all starts with Tony La Russa. You know, know, or I should say with Reinsdorf, okay? Reinsdorf hiring of Tony La Russa, you know, I, there's no disrespect to Tony La Russa. It's just his time has passed. Okay, every everything has a shelf life. It doesn't matter if you're playing, coaching, managing, whatever. Everything has a shelf life, and his shelf life is done. Um, and there's a lot of things that are going on with this. You know, that's there's an old saying in coaching is that you, either you're coaching it or you're allowing it. Okay, and that's what's happening with the White Sox. They're they're allowed to do a whole bunch of just uh, unfundamentally sound things. All right, you're. you're you're not going deep in counts, all right. You got guys trying to hit five run homers with a guy with one man on base, all right. You're not you're not hitting the cutoff man, all right. You're not focused. Uh, there's just so many different things, and this it starts at the top. It starts with Tony, all right. If Tony, you know, and every time they talk to Tony and, and he say something, he's like, oh well, you know, he was, he was good effort, you know, he was trustling, and uh, you know, we'll take that effort. Like, no, he needs to call people out, all right. He needs to call people out. He needs to hold people accountable, and uh, and tell them that that. You know, for all the money that all these stars of this core are making, they should not be playing like this. They are far too talented. They are one of the most talented, if not the most talented team in the American League. And for them to be playing at this level, hovering around 500 all year, is is embarrassing. And I can't even get mad at my Cub fan friends for talking shit because they have every right. Because right now our White Sox are doing what, what Tony La Russa lets them do, and that's whatever they want. You know, you, you, you know I, I felt, I've always felt, I started thinking this last year, I felt they were more worried, one, about individual awards, two, and they were happy that they got the bag, okay, that the, the strategy that Rick Hahn employed by signing T.A., Yo-Yo, Lou Bob, Eloy, all those guys to long-term deals before they were proven, you know, it looked good in, 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 in theory, 
Okay. And they're hoping that they, that they say, okay, well, you know what, at the end of the contract, they want to be underpaid, but at the beginning of the contract, they're overpaid. Well, I think they just started resting on their laurels and, 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 and happy that they're, they got the bag because I don't see, I don't see focus. I don't see determination. I don't see fight um, in this team. And, and, you know, as a player, I know Tony's got to hold them accountable, but as a player, you you would think you'd want to be the best player you could be. You would think you want to be the best teammate you could be. And I just don't see it with this White Sox team. And it sucks to say that because I've loved this team for damn near 50 years of my life. And I'm 51. Absolutely. And you touched on focus, effort, all those sorts of things last night to me. And Sean, you and I have talked about this player a lot. He was fresh the first ever time I came on, Sean and Maya in the morning all those years ago. I think it was 2019 yep. the first time I came on. And I'm talking about Yoan Moncada. And yeah. this dude, I think we agree on the fact that he's the second most talented player in the Chicago White Sox organization. Arguably, the only yeah. person I would put ahead of him, like full stop, is Luis Robert, who yep. we'll get to later too. I'm watching this game last night. Moncada hit a home run. And congrats to you, former number one overall prospect on your 11th home run of the season. Wonderful for you. Great job. He was terrible defensively, and that's supposed to be his bread and butter. He just looked lazy. There was a routine ground ball that he just did not. He took his sweet old time throwing the first base, and the runner ended up being safe. Why? Because the Cleveland Guardians put every ounce of effort into every little thing that they do, and that's why they're going to be the 2021 American League Central Division champions. And sometimes when I watch Yoan Moncada get play baseball, it makes me so angry because you see the tools you know, I'm not going to get mad at him if a guy like Savale, who's a really good pitcher, buries a slider in a 3-2 count, he swings and misses. That happens. That happens to the best players in the league. It'll happen to Trout. It'll happen to Otani. It'll happen to Judge. But when Moncada, if you're the one thing that you will do well at and it's the one saving grace that keeps you in a lineup is playing defensive third base at a high level, and you go out there and put that craptacular performance in a game that you end up getting killed, it just makes me so angry. How do you feel about this guy going forward? Dude, I love you on Moncada, and I'm really disappointed at what he's he's put out in the field the last couple of years. Um, I, you know, I said there, I told you this. There are two people I love run, I love watching run first to third, and one's Mike Trout, and the other one's Yoan Moncada. All right, they're just big guys, solid guys who can move. All right? They remind me of football players, trial linebacker, yo-yo, like a, a like a running back. Right, um, and it's for it's it's a, it, it hurts me. You know, to to be honest about this guy because this guy you, you mentioned that him or Lubav are the most talented, uh, you know, players on this team, and the the effort and the, the production they've given is just is just subpar. You know, the, the you know the old saying, uh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard, and that's the that's the issue. You know, I'm, I I really would love. This is why Tony's got to go. This is literally, excuse me, why Tony's got to go. You know, we, this is why we need to bring in a guy. Uh, a guy who doesn't give a shit, a guy who doesn't give a shit how much you get paid, who you think you are, but a guy who, who's who's fundamentally sound and and loves the process. All right, people talk about it like Yoan doesn't. Yoan doesn't love the process. Eloy doesn't love the process. Lou Bob, Ta, like they they don't they don't love the process. You don't. They want the they want the results, but that's not the way that's not the way it works. You got to love the process. You got to get you have to understand in, in certain situations. You know, you if you got to get a guy over, then your job is to get hit the ball to the right side of the field, or hit a pop up, and they're not doing that. They're not going deep in counts. They're going, or, you know, they're aggressive early. If if you you know, I've seen plenty of times where a guy four pitches and you're swinging at the first pitch. Let the dude throw a strike before you start swinging. All these little things add up. You know, and I know I know I use a lot of co coaching uh, metaphors, but but hell, I've been coaching for 17 years, and you know, when you take care of all the little things, there are no big things. 
And that's what the White Sox don't do. They don't take they don't take care of the little things. They don't take care of the details. And that's the issue. You know, I just I just feel that they're all they're very selfish. They're more happy with silver with silver slugger awards, with gold gloves, with MVPs, with batting titles, with all this other stuff. And they're not they're not really focused and 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 maniacal about hosting that World Series trophy. Because if you were, you'd be doing a lot better stuff. I don't understand why Yo-Yo, Yo-Yo, T.A., uh, Lou Bob, uh, why they don't bunt more. I don't know why they don't steal bases more when they get on. There's just so many different – you saw Cleveland. Cleveland does it. Cleveland does. Cleveland is nowhere near as talented as us on paper. None. But you know what? They play hard. You saw Jose Ramirez you know, a couple of nights ago beat out a double play uh, – a, a deep uh, ground ball into the hole. I mean, why? And this and this is a power hitter. This is their, their big bopper. And he's running down the field like like he, his hair is on fire. Why? Because he cares. Why? Because it's the little things. Why? Because he wants to win. And our, t- our team don't have that. We don't have that Kobe, that Mamba mentality, that, that MJ mentality, that magic mentality. We don't have that. And to me, that's very, very frustrating with an overly talented team. Because if, if this team had that talent, that 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 uh, that drive, that, that mentality, dude, we'd be up by 10, 12 games right now. Easily. I'm watching the game at my parents' house last night, and Jose Ramirez comes up to bat, and I look at my dad, and I hate this mother. Mm, he makes me so angry because he's so – and that is the ultimate conflict. I'm getting red thinking about freaking Jose Ramirez. This guy is so freaking good, and he's good at everything. He's an elite defender. He runs hard. He hits bombs. He hits the gaps when he needs to. I think Luis Robert is capable of doing stuff like that, but the difference is you see him dog it down to first base a lot of the time, and Jose Ramirez is running for his life as if he's going to get shot if he doesn't touch first base before the ball gets there. And like you said, Cleveland is just so much less talented on paper than the White Sox are. They make $130 million less as a collective payroll. That That's incredible to me that this team is going to be the division champion over a team like the White Sox, over a team like Minnesota, hell, even over a team like Detroit, who had the best offseason in the division, in my opinion, at the time. Ooh, he makes me so angry. So, like, does Luis Robert? What is up with him? What's going on? Why can't he get to that level anymore? There's because he's not being held accountable. Bottom line, nothing more, nothing less. All right, I don't give a damn what you know. Athletes want to be coached hard, okay. And even the modern athlete, you know, it doesn't matter when you when you coach them hard. They may have an issue with it, and they may they may push back initially, but they know damn well it's in their best interest. Plus, let's be honest, where they come from. Like, you know how many people in Cuba are trying to get out? You know how many people in Cuba are trying to use baseball as a way to get out or in the Dominican Republic? They're coached hard. They're used to competition. It's not like they're oh, just the best and we're, we're gonna, they're going to cakewalk. It's a, it's a money game down there. there there's camps. There's, there's uh, you know, uh, combines down there where, where guys are getting paid tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars per player. All right? So if you don't think they're being coached hard down in the Dominican Republic and Cuba and things like that, you're nuts. So he needs that type of – uh, of supervision, all right. He needs he. I'm telling my favorite coach. I think the guy who's perfect for this job is a guy who'll never get it. And that's Ozzy. I think Ozzy would be a perfect one. I think Bochi be another one. Uh, maybe Alomar, Sandy Alomar could be a good guy for this. But you need you need guys to get in their face. You know, I like Ozzy because one, he's fluent in Spanish. There's nothing going to be lost in translation. Two, he's a World Series champion manager. So there's anything he says, you have to listen to. And, and three, I just think his personality is so big, all right. And Ozzy just doesn't give a damn. And Ozzy will get in your face and, and tell you what you're doing wrong because Ozzy knows what it's like to win a World Series. Ozzy's managed a World Series. He's you know he's coached uh, a World Series champion with the Marlins. This guy's been there twice. All right, he's played around Hall of Famers. He understands the people who are who are who are great and what they do every day. 
And when you see someone like Yo-Yo not, not putting in the work, you see someone like like Lubob, that that'll piss him off, and that'll get it. That'll get Ozzy, uh, you know, on him again. It's not going to happen. There's just too much. Uh, he wants too much control, and the the front office doesn't want to give it. There may still be some bad blood back in there. Um, but we need a guy. We need somebody in there who's going to hold these guys accountable. We need somebody in there who's going to, hey, you know what? Every once in a while, call him to the carpet in the uh, in the media. Why, why was he he's been? Well, why was he not playing? Well, he got benched. I didn't like the way he ran the first base, you know, or he was dogging it, and so he's going to sit down for a day or two and think about it. It's just things like that to put people on front street. Accountability is everything in sports, Vinny. It's everything, and right now the White Sox don't have it. One of the things that have gone well for this team, for the most part, has been the starting pitching. I've enjoyed most of the starting pitching. The White Sox, they're kind of right behind Cleveland in terms of a team that they lately have been pumping out good pitcher after good pitcher. They develop pitching well. It's a recipe that they have in the organization that works for a lot of in a lot of ways. And nobody exemplified that better this season than the ace Dylan Cease. He's going to be in the conversation for the Cy Young Award when the voting comes to a close at the end of the season. What have you made of Dylan so far this season? First tag, hashtag, thank you, Northside team. Um, I think Dylan Cease is, is awesome. You know, he's learned how to – we've seen we've seen the stuff, dude. It's it, The stuff was was wrapped around one bad inning, all right, for the previous years. He gave up a crooked number, two, three, or four, five runs in an inning, and then he locks you down. And he had to get that inning out. Okay, how do we get this lockdown performance, five, six innings of lockdown baseball, shutout baseball, one-run baseball, without – but not allowing that big run? Well, he's he's, he's done – his homework. He's he's starting attacking guys more often. Uh, he's not waiting back. Uh, he's gotten he's eliminated the the big inning for the most part, and that's why he's in the conversation. Dylan Cease is one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, I love his stash. His dude is a stud, and you know there, there's no if ands or buts about it. He is our ace. And somebody who has exemplified similar talent, in my opinion but he kind of seems like he's a year, year and a half behind and he's got less starts under his belt is Michael Kopech. And I still to this day have never seen a player in their early 20s have a fastball that moves quite the same as Michael Kopech. I think if coached right, if healthy, if everything, he can be one of those $250, $300 million pitchers. I know that's crazy. It sounds unbelievable, but that's how I feel about his talent. And if he could get it all together, I remember the game against the New York Yankees earlier in the season. He almost mm-hmm. no, he was thinking about no hitting yeah, them. Yeah. And that's a lineup with Judge and Stanton, and 100% Riddle. healthy at the time. Uh, LeMahieu, Anthony Rizzo. Rizzo, Josh Donaldson, who Johnson. even though he's an a-hole, he's elite hitter a yep. lot of the time. Like th- this is a Yankee team that's great, and Michael Kopech shut them down. Do you th- agree with me on my assessment of them, or should I pull it back a little bit? I think this dude's off the charts. No, oh, the the pitch is great, but it's just, it's about accountability again, right? You need you need to challenge these guys, all right? Just because he has a good outing, okay? You need to say, okay, that was a good outing. What can you do better? Okay, the great ones, the superstars, the Hall of Famers, yeah, they, you know what? They know they're talented, right? They're try what they're focused on are their flaws. How can I get this better? Okay, I had three walks. I need to get it down to two walks or one walk or no walks in a game. Okay, I had a hundred and some pitches. I need to be a little more effective. I need to be a little more enticing, you know, with my pitches and get more ground balls. All right, th- these are the little things. But and what I just want to tell you, I'm gonna keep going back to it. You take care of the little things. There are no big things. These are the things that they got to tweak. I, I think Dylan Cease is phenomenal. I think Michael Kopech is phenomenal. I think Johnny Cueto has been a godsend, okay? But those first two that you talked about, when right, 
and, and Kopech had had to deal with a lot. All right, he had his, his girlfriend. He had the he had the uh, Tommy John surgery. All right, that messed him up a little bit. Then he had the, the girlfriend situation, and then she left him. And actually, I think they were married, and she left him, and they're divorced. And now he's a father without you know. And, and that's a lot. And people don't realize how how much personal um, I don't want to say baggage, but personal occurrences, events in your life help can help or harm your on-field performance. So once it seems like he's getting, you know, that's kind of passed, everything's settled down. And once he's ready, I think next year should be a really, really, uh, should be a breakout year for Michael Kopech. And we'll have two freaking studs, not to, not to mention the fact that we're welcoming back Garrett Crochet, but that's another story. But I think those two guys uh, next year should really, really be at the place one and two in the top of the order. Yeah, and so Lance Lynn, outside of yesterday, when his team really didn't give him much support on defense or offense, he has had a pretty good second half of the season after the injury and starting off the season a little bit slow coming back from it. But I have all the faith in the world in Lance Lynn going forward. Uh, you mentioned Johnny Cueto. He's been sensational this season. I'm not sure he's going to be back next year just because of the nature of you know contract negotiations and how things go in baseball and sports in general. Um, Garrett Crochet coming back next year. He's already told people he's looking to be a starter. He's been preparing for a starter's mentality. There are some people that think he'll end up back in the bullpen. But if that all happens and there's not too many spots left, where do you fit Lucas Giolito into all this stuff? Because, man, he he was so good in 2019, 2020, and a lot of 2021. You know, outside of the first month of the season last year, he was great too. And so are we just going to give up on the guy after one brutal season? But the problem is the brutal season was brutal. You couldn't even trust him at all in this Guardian series. They made changes so he wouldn't pitch in it. So where are you at on Lucas? Lucas would be my five, all right? He'll be my five, and he may be a rotating five. Um, you know what? The, the problem that I have and the critique I have of him is that his, he's just mentally fragile, and that's the bottom line. You cannot be a phenomenal – you cannot be a great pitcher, a a, a, a Hall of Fame pitcher, you know, a, a, a generational pitcher if you're, if you're soft between the ears, and that's what he is. If you ever watch him, whenever he gives up a hit or if he gives up a home run, you know, he, puts, he gives a, strings a couple hits together – or gets up a home run, you see the way he, he snatches at the ball when the catcher throws it back. He's very fidgety on the mound. His body language tells everything, and, pe- and teams know that they got him rattled. And that's the thing. You can, you have to stay unflappable, and he's not. All right, They brought in Ethan Katz, his, his pitching coach, since he was, I don't know, high school, grammar school, preschool, who knows, You know who we thought he'd have a good, a good handle on him. And he did for a while, but it, it seems like even Ethan Katz can't keep him focused all right, when things go bad, and I hate to break it to him, but everybody's gotten rocked. All right, Nolan Ryan has gotten rocked. Roger Clemens has gotten rocked. Uh, Randy Johnson has gotten rocked. All these guys have gotten rocked and have you know had you know just shit performances where they've given up a couple of homers. It happens. All right, you got to get you have to forget about like a DB in football. You have to forget about that last the last pitch and focus on the next one. Lucas has a problem doing that. And the more he, the, the the longer he has a problem doing that, the longer I keep him at number five. And if he continues that, if we can get another pitcher who's another young pitcher who's who's very promising with a, with a better disposition, yeah, they're going to rotate, and that pitcher will probably end up taking his spot. And then you know, then all, all of a sudden now you got to play Lucas to, to use him as trade bait because I really wouldn't. I don't. I can't trust him. Bottom line, I can't trust him because you don't know if you're going to go get out. You're, if you're going to get a no hit. Lucas Giolito that day, or if you're going to give up, you know, six, eight, ten runs, Lucas that day. We you just don't know. You have no idea, and that's the why you can't afford that every fifth day, you know. So 
my, my confidence in Lucas is shaken big time. Uh, I don't think he'll be with the team much longer, uh, either via trade or maybe it's just straight DFA. I don't know. But Lucas has done himself no favors. Um, he needs he needs to really see a, a professional help about, about just understanding that you're going to get hit, but you are a great pitcher. You have phenomenal stuff. Right. But let's go. Those guys get paid in the box, too. They get paid a lot of money as well. OK. And, and you're going to win some. You're going to lose some. And if he can say, like, get get to even keel, then it'll be better for him and for the White Sox. But until then, I don't see him very with this team much longer, more than another season, maybe season and a half, maybe the deadline of 24. Did this team's bullpen make you angry as angry as it did me this season? Because you look at it. Got a lot of arm talent. Kendall Graveman, the Seattle Mariners were pissed when they traded him to the Houston Astros last year. And then he came to guaranteed Ray Field and dominated us. And then with the Astros in the playoffs. And then, of course, uh, Joe Kelly, World Series champion with Boston, World Series champion with Los Angeles. He likes to make funny faces at Carlos Correa. He's a gamer. He's this. He's that. Liam Hendricks, he's been on this show. He's a friend of the program. He's an outstanding human. He has had a really good all-star level year. There's lots of talent there. And yet I'm seeing Jimmy Lambert, who, to his credit, has had a nice little comeback year. He's a starter by trade. He joins the bullpen this year. It's not easy without Kopech being in the bullpen this year. Reynaldo Lopez, same thing. It just seems like it was just mismanaged, misused. And the guys who are making the most money were not used in the big money moments. Yeah, at this point, you can't worry about that. The, the Whose salary you got to – you have to uh, play who's – Who's who's the hot hand, and you know Cairo mismanaged that. You know game one. You know he took blame. He took account for it, um, and it was his fault. You don't bring Jimmy Lambert in, right? You bring in Ray Lopez. Ray Lopez has earned a spot. Ray Lopez. What Ray Lopez did for his career this year, he got himself a good six to eight more years in Major League Baseball somewhere. If it's not with the White Sox, he was just lights out, an innings eater for guys. And and I think and why he he put Jimmy Lambert in, I have no idea. All right, Ray, Ray Lopez has been. Uh, 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 a beacon of light for this uh, this this bullpen most of the series most of the season, uh, and then the other guys you, as you mentioned they they've been very inconsistent. All right, uh, Kelly, I was the first time he came out, uh, the way his ball was moving, I was like, holy shit, dude, this guy is gonna be a, something a force for this this bullpen, and he never lived up to it. He was hurt, uh, and, and then you got you know some of the other guys, uh, Graveman, you talk about Deekman, you know, Deekman the first time I saw him when after we got him, like, okay, this guy's got some nasty stuff. And then just like, just like Kelly, it didn't, it didn't continue. So it was very consistent. Um, Graveman as well. It, it's, it was frustrating as strong as the bullpen was when, when we needed them in the big moments is when they let us down. And that's what really sucked. Like, you know, you could, if you come in, you close out Detroit. Okay, fine. If you close out, you know, Baltimore or somebody, you know, not Baltimore, Baltimore's actually good. Uh, like Toronto, no, Toronto's good. Give me a, it's a, this is a horrible team. You close them out. Okay. That's great. But they're giving you all this money, not to, not to worry about the Detroits, not to worry about the, the angels. All right. You're worried about the, the Indians. You're worried about the twins. You're worried about the Yankees. You're worried about the Red Sox. You're about Houston. Those are the ones that, those are, that, those are the teams that, that you need to shut down, which is why they gave you all that big money. And we weren't able to do it. You know, Houston owns us just like green that, I'm not even going to talk about the dude up north who owns the Bears, but Houston owns us. We just can't seem to get it around Houston. Had a good showing with the Yankees, but, you know, I, I wouldn't want to face them right now in, in a series. <laughs> I wouldn't want with our guys. So the bullpen has been – is it's been uh, – it's just kind of across the board, Vinny. A lot of people just let, let everyone down. This is a horrible, horrible year. 
And again, I feel because it's because that they weren't held accountable. They weren't called to the carpet. They weren't put on front street. They weren't, I don't want to say embarrassed. They just weren't held accountable. Bottom line. Eloy Jimenez has had an outstanding season in the second half. He has numbers compared to Aaron Judge and some of the best hitters in baseball in the second half of the season. The problem is the reason those numbers are in the second half of the season is because he was hurt for a majority of the first half of the season after missing 99 games in 2021. I think absolutely nobody on this team is untradeable. I I would trade the bat boy if it would help improve the team. Literally nobody should be untradeable. However, I think a return for Eloy should be substantial if you move him. What are your thoughts? Um, First and foremost, I need to see the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, I know they got a new one. Um, Who was the old one? His son just plays for – what's his name? Yeah, I I forgot. Yeah, he he just came. He went to to my rival high school, so I couldn't stand him. But anyway – I need to see what they what they're doing as far as warming up. I also need to see what their what what their diet consists of. All right, because you get their your young kids and young kids with million millions of dollars, they're probably eating hot Cheetos and ta- and Takis and shit like that. All right, and that's not good for you um, because there's far too many soft tissue injuries with Eloy with Lubob. All right, that, that's got to stop with even with Yo Yo. Okay, that, that has to stop. There's you have to train if you want to be a multi million dollar athlete. You have to you have to train. You have to. Uh, and diet like one, okay? And it's um, because if he can stay healthy, if Eloy stays healthy for a whole year, holy shit, dude, what numbers can, can this guy put up? All right, but that's the thing, can if he can stay healthy. So you got to get him healthy. And and if you do, his numbers, I mean, there would, if those guys could stay healthy and we get a manager that holds them accountable, and as much as we, we used to make fun of Ricky Renteria and some of his decisions, some of his decisions were juvenile and crazy, all right? But he had those guys running through a wall for him. He had those guys enjoying baseball. He had those guys having fun. We had fun watching them have fun. Okay, um, he held them accountable. All right, and and this is what we need. We need. I need a guy. You know, uh, if, if these guys are healthy, just think of Eloy, Lubob, and uh, uh, Yo Yo. Okay, those guys would be in the MVP race every single year. There'd be, there'd be, they would probably cancel each other out because everyone would want would be wouldn't want to vote for the guys on the same team. That's how talented those guys are. You know, Eloy is, you know, he, he plays the game with a, a youthful exuberance. Um, I, the only issue that I have with him is this: I just his, his training, his stretching, his flexibility. Man, if that if he took care of that, Lord have mercy. We now we've figured out he's he can he can DH. You know, when he poo-pooed the idea a while ago, I can't play well, I can't play well. And guess what? You play well. You hit pretty damn well just sitting there for every you know, half hour, 45 minutes at a time before you bat again. So, um, you know, I, I like Eloy. I, I really think he's he's definitely uh, someone you stay with moving forward. And you just got to make sure that they're flexible. You know, if you again, if you if he plays 140-plus games a year, holy shit, watch out, man. We're looking at literally 30 to 40 home runs a year. Yeah, he could be a game breaker with his bat. And like you touched on, I'm happy because I used to be team don't let Eloy DH. You, you risk it in the outfield because if he hits like that in the outfield, it's not worth getting rid of that bat to have him DH and be terrible. But he proved me wrong. He's not terrible as a DH. He's actually a very good DH. It's like pinch hitting three times a game. So I understand why it's different than playing in the field 
as opposed to just sitting on the bench the entire game except for when you hit. But he went out there and did it, and that kind of creates a new problem for me. The White Sox have had corner infielders playing the outfield every <laughs> single day. Sean, that would be like having you host a podcast about how to cook you know, delicious bread or something like that. That's just not your forte. Hey, you know how to host a podcast. You know, like, you know, he knows how to play baseball, Andrew Vaughn or Gavin Sheets or any of these guys, Eloy Jimenez. They know how to play baseball, but they don't know how to play the outfield. You don't know how to host a podcast about breaking bed, breaking bread. You know how to host a podcast about sports. So not saying you can't host a podcast about breaking bread. I'm sure you'd be great at it. But I just don't understand how they can do this game after game after game. So what they need to do is, is, you know, sports is a copycat league, all right, or, or copycat leagues, all right. Each and what 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 they need to do is someone. They, and this is Rick Hahn falls smack dab in the the lap of Rick Hahn because this is not a Tony La Russa issue. So he he's got control over this issue. Uh, you got to look at, at moving Gavin Sheets, all right. Look at what look exactly what what Cleveland did, all right. They had Farmil Reyes over there, big power bat. All right. Ask the Northsiders. They're happy as a pig and slop to have that dude over there. But he didn't fit that system. Like you don't have a lot of big boppers except for maybe Josh Naylor. And he's he's a guy who hustles his ass off as well. All right. Um, they, they wanted power guys, but they wanted guys who hit the ball through, you know, all over the park. All right. And run. Um, so he didn't fit the mold. So they got rid of him. They couldn't trade him. So they just DFA'd him. All right. I think you can get something for Gavin Sheets. I think you need to go get a legitimate, solid right fielder, a guy who can hit, who can run, um, you know, a prospect or not. But you you got you have to build a team. But first, you actually even have to you, you got to find an identity. Are you going to be built on power? Because all right, then you need then you then you need to look at the, at the hitting coach, right? Because there why why is the, was the power outage so severe here on the south side? Why? All right, this is the first first year except for uh, the strike the uh, COVID year. Jose's not going to get 30 and 100, okay? No one was hitting home runs this year. No one. And, and you know what? At uh, at Sox Park, that's a launching pad in the summer. And the lack of home runs was was kind of not even alarming. It was, like, very sus- suspicious. Like, okay, something's going on here. And so, uh, you, you know, with that, I, like I said, I think you might you may want to look at moving Gavin Sheets to get a legit left, uh, left or right fielder. Um you know, and then, but that brings another problem. What do you do with, with uh, Andrew Vaughn? Okay, well, well, what you do with Andrew Vaughn determines what you do with Jose Abreu. So there's a lot of dominoes that a lot of moving parts in here. And you know, first and foremost, I would get rid of Gavin Sheets, trying to get a legit corner outfielder because you got Lou Bob in one. Okay, uh, put a legit corner outfielder in another, and I'll take you know we'll take AJ Pollock for another year or so out there. We'll be okay until we can find another. You know, guy who can hit, or I'm, I'm even okay with AJ Pollock, truth be told, because AJ Pollock is a guy who can knock the ball all over the park. Now, out of it, just you know, every so often, but in the park, and that's what we need. We need guys on base. We need we need get them on, get them over, get them in. Sounds simple, but it's just for some reason it hasn't been for our good guys. Absolutely. So in 2004, the White Sox made a big move after having an extremely disappointing season. The Minnesota Twins clinched the division at. You at the time U.S. Cellular Field and mm-hmm. celebrated their division title in front of our fans. They went out and made a huge move. They traded Carlos Lee, who was a fan favorite. Everybody loved him. 
They traded him for Scott Pedsednik. People are like, what are you doing? Scott guy. What the hell? What do you trade for Scott Pedsednik? You mean the skinny guy from Milwaukee that steals bases and hits the ball softly on the ground into the outfield and ended up having zero home runs in the regular season? What are we, the 80s St. Louis Cardinals? Exactly. (laughs) And he ended up having zero home runs in the regular season Season. of 2005. (laughs) And then he hit a home run late in a game against Boston. And then he hit a walk-off home run in the playoffs against the Houston Astros in the World Series. Is there a big, bold move about to happen from the Chicago White Sox? And I'm not talking about trading Gavin Sheets, Sean. I'm talking about trading Yoan or trading T.A. or trading, I'm not going to say, I mean, I'll say anyone, Luis Robert, Michael Kopech, something to get this team on a different level. No, I think they're going to they're gonna stand pat with it. Uh, I think people are going to... Uh... <sighs> I don't think they want to stray from the core yet. I think after next year, if, if they don't make the playoffs, and I think then, then we're going to see some ECME, ECME fireworks going on on the, on the field and not in at, uh, outside the stadium. So I think they're going to stick with one more, but they're going to make some more moves. All right? And the move, the fringe move would be, like I said, a Gavin Sheets. It might, it might be an Andrew Vaughn, which I really don't want. Uh, I, w- I don't want him moved. Um, but if you, you can get a guy who fits in that clubhouse, who, you know, a good corner outfielder, you know that's that's gonna be that's gonna pay big big dividends, and then you let these guys run. All right, let these guys run, dude. Let these guys. You're only 24, 25, 26, 27 once. All right, you have the ability. That's a that's a weapon. You're that's shooting yourself in the foot. That's not firing your pistol. That's not going out with all guns a blazing. How can you how can you continue to not allow these guys who are speed burners? All right, I'm talking Ta Yo Yo and Lubob in particular. Not allow them to run, all right? But why? Because you're worried about the soft tissue injuries. There's a, I mean, dude, everything is so intertwined. It's not. It's. It, it's. You couldn't. You couldn't script this better, or should I say, worse for the White Sox? How how intertwined everything is. I couldn't agree more, Sean, and that about puts a bow on the the White Sox. I do want to ask you. I know you're well invested in Chicago sports in general. There are a couple other teams in town I want to touch on before we let you go. Um, I've been covering the Cubs all season long on this show and for fan sided. So you know we got to give them a little bit of love on the show, even though we don't really actually want to deep down inside. No, I'm kidding. Right. Um, <laughs> what have you made of their season as a whole? There are people claiming that they might even have a brighter future than the White Sox at this point. They have lots of prospects. Peter Crow Armstrong, who they got for Javier Baez, has lit the world on fire. People thought they weren't getting a hundred top one hundred prospect last summer. Well, you did. In fact, you got a top thirty prospect. He's amazing. Um, what we've seen from Nico Horner, Ian Happ. We'll see what happens with Wilson Contreras in the offseason. What have you made of the two thousand and twenty two Chicago Cubs? David Ross is a one hell of a freaking manager. That's what I made. All right, because you got guys who are playing for nothing. You got guys who a whole bunch of prospects. You got a whole bunch of some veterans who realize it's, you know, we're talking Hap, we're talking Contreras, we're talking Jay Hay for a little while. And these guys, all these guys, they realize this this is going to be a shit team. It was going to be a rebuild. And guess what? Yeah, they're still 20 games under 500, but they're competitive. All right, they're exciting to watch. All right, they might lose. Okay, but the but in the event that you don't, that you shoot yourself in the foot, that you don't handle and play fundamentally sound. They'll stay in the game, all right. So wait till so uh, wait till Rossi gets some some talent. Wait till um, some of the talent that's that's up there now, the youngsters, the pro- I guess technically not prospect, but some of the youngsters that are now mature. Okay, that culture's already been set by by Rossi. 
right? You're playing 27 outs, okay? And, you know, yes, again, they're not talented right now. Uh, they're getting beat by a lot more talented teams who have more invested and in, in are fighting for playoff position or for a playoff spot, period. So, yeah, they're, they're getting beat. But the way the way they compete, the way that they they approach the game, the way that they they play baseball the right way, all right. And that's so. This was a a, a culture setting year for the Northsiders, and what sucks, dude, what really really sucks, is I would hate to see this team be better than my White Sox next year, with a hell of a lot less talent. Yeah, I would say it's certainly possible, and the only way I think that's that wouldn't happen as if the White Sox get back to where they were last year and have a healthy Luis Robert, Yoan Moncada, Eloy all season long, maybe yeah. make one big trade or one small trade that helps improve the team just a little bit. I think the White Sox have a distinct pitching advantage yes, the, and the Cubs and the Cubs to me. And I'd like your thoughts on this, even during the Theo Epstein era, weren't very good at developing pitching. They won a World Series in an era where they weren't great at developing pitching. They traded for Jake Arrieta and kind of got lucky that he turned into a star. Not lucky, but he didn't develop with them. He was already in the MLB. They signed John Lester, okay, who was going to the Hall of Fame with or without the Cubs 2016 right. World Series. John Lackey, great pitcher in his career, you know, ended up being a number five because of other guys accelerating. Kyle Hendricks was with the Texas Rangers. You know, they didn't, they traded Dylan Cease that, you know, they, they get rid of these pitchers that are in their prospect system or, or they turn into be busts. Is that tide turning at this point? It seems like they're, they're trying to develop more pitchers because, you know, Theo's mantra was develop the play uh, position players and won't go by the pitching. All right. You know, and, and right now it seems as Jed, apparently maybe Jed, Jed's philosophy was a little different. Jed's trying to build through the, through the, the, uh, the organization. He's getting prospects. He's getting youngsters. Uh, young pitchers, that is, and having them come through the system and having them develop, um, you know, a, little, a lot different than the way Theo did it. So, um, yeah, they, they, they have a, they have a shot, you know, and the, the best part about it is, like, you know, you see what you got, you get as many pitchers as you can. I mean, because, Jesus, they, how many pitchers did they draft this year? You know, so you, you do that and you see, okay, you throw everything in the wall, what sticks? Okay, so say we get two good pitchers, maybe it's two and a half. Now you only got to go get one ace. All right, you got one ace. You got two other two good pitchers in the hat, dude. You got three starters, three good starters that you're you're comfortable with. You know, you can go into a playoff series with three starters, okay? And, um, you know, it's it's just a little different way that the Cubs are developing and bringing up their players that now than they did before. And will it work? Or, uh, that that's to be that's to be determined. But we'll find out in uh, 2025, 2026. Absolutely. How did you make? Or how did you feel about the way the Chicago Cubs handled the trade deadline? So they traded Efros to the Yankees, and Efros made a couple appearances with them and then was out with injury. They just activated him today. I don't know if you saw that. New York did. And, you know, I'm sure he'll be a nice piece for them going into the playoffs. He signed for a little bit, 28 years old. But the player the Cubs got back, I'm drawing a blank on his name at this moment, but he he came in and relieved Wade Miley a couple times. And, you know, Miley would go four, and then this kid would go five, and they won the game. And they didn't trade Wilson Contreras. They didn't trade Ian Happ. Now, they got Ian Happ for next year if they want to. They could go through this whole thing again. But Wilson Contreras is free to sign with any team as of, what is it, November 1st or whenever the World Series is over. Over, What are your thoughts on how they handled the trade deadline? And then I promise I won't make you talk about the Cubs again in a positive manner. Thank you. Uh, That I appreciate. (laughs) Is it Hayden (laughs) Wesneski you're you're talking about? The Yankees or something? Yes. Yes. Um, I was surprised. I really was. I was really, really surprised 
that they uh, they didn't move Contreras, they didn't move uh, Hap. Um, I was really surprised, uh, you, you know. And, and the thing about it is, you walk, he can walk away. You know, he's an unrestricted free agent, and you might just lose him. If, if that's the case, that goes to show you how bad they really wanted to get rid of him. That they'll just let him walk away, because um, it's not like there weren't. And that's the thing. There weren't. It's not like there weren't teams who were willing to 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 trade for Wilson to trade for Ian Hatton. There there were you know rumors for I think it was in Minnesota or one of the teams in the AL Central and the was, Houston Astros too. They Houston gave Astros. up. They gave up nice things for Christian Vasquez, who's a nice player, but he certainly not Wilson Contreras. So yeah, why they kept him? That 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 boggles my mind, Vinny. I have no idea how that didn't go down. I really don't. So you know what they, they that may have you know. I, I, I would love to ask, you know, uh, Jed what he was thinking, you know, and, and, you know, you remember what they came out with some bullshit, like, oh, well, you know, we, we, we tried to move him or whatever. Like, nah, dude, you, if you wanted to move him, you would have, there's more, there are more than enough rumors out there that teams wanted them. One of those had to be true. So I have no idea what their thought process was by any, any stretch, dude. Yeah, I agree. There's no doubt in my opinion that both Chicago teams botched the trade deadline one way or the other, but one team I know you enjoy talking about is the Chicago Bears. And we talk a little football on my hockey and baseball podcast. We're no stranger to that over here. So I'm <laughs> curious to know. They won the game in the monsoon. San Francisco lost 100 yards on penalty minutes. Everybody was ready to crown the Bears after one win. And I listen, nobody loves overreaction Monday more than me. But they got humbled against the Green Bay Packers. And now people are saying, well, it's just the Packers. You know, they're going to go out and kill Houston, which they very well <laughs> might. But Houston's one of the four teams worse than you on paper. So – you know, let's let's hold back on these expectations this year. In my opinion, they don't have enough talent, but I'd like to know where your thoughts are on the Chicago Bears and specifically Justin Fields. Oh yeah, they don't have enough talent, but they have they have talent. Here's the deal: if when play when they play correctly, okay, when they play smart, you know, part of the hits principles, uh, they're they're the sum is much greater than the parts, much greater than the parts. All right, um, you know, Green Bay. Early on Sunday night, at night, you're the, you know, only game on the docket. The rivalry, the the history, the offensive coordinator used to be the OC over there. There was just a lot. I think Sphincter's tightened with a lot of those guys. Truth be told, maybe even with with Luke Getzey. Um, you're not going to play Aaron Rodgers every week Sunday night at his place. Okay, you're not. Um, he would do. He was going to do that to a couple of teams. You know, you can look. You can look at whatever you want to look at, and, and to create your own narrative. All right. Yeah, Justin Fields had a bad game. Yeah, they're not uh, going downfield. Okay. Yeah, Justin Fields is slow making reads. Um, but then you, you, you know, you also got if if you want to just do that and be a, a, a doom and gloom guy, then you're only giving half the narrative because you've seen Justin Fields make some good throws. You've seen Justin Fields be a stud athlete. Justin Fields is a winner. Okay. And there's something about winners. You, there's nothing tangible you can touch and say, all right, a winner is a winner. All right. He's won in high school. He's won in college. All right. And not at the division two or three or four level or five or just or Juco. We're talking at Ohio State. All right. This guy's a winner. Get him some talent around him. All right. Let him get settled in his offense. Dude, this is his third offense in three years. Come on, man. All right. When you when you first started podcasting, were you as good as you are now? No, you had to learn the ropes. All right. We all did. Whenever we start something new, we have it's it's different. And let's not forget, Justin Fields isn't the only one who has to learn the new offense. 
everybody has to learn a new offense, right? You're asking dumb linemen, you know, who are stereotypically dumber than, than the rest of the guys. They have to learn a new offense. They got to man counts, wide receivers, running backs, same different, same thing. You got to ask them to get comfortable in this new system. They got to get comfortable running, running behind linemen. Linemen have to get comfortable or get familiar with how the running backs run, the different ones, because now we have two good ones. It, excuse me. It's going to take time. It's going to take time. And as much we've been blessed with a, a schedule that's pr- pretty easy to this point. Yeah, Green Bay was tough. Okay, that's not a problem. We, we were able – we caught San Fran, San Fran in the midst of their – if Jimmy G quarterbacks that game, we lost. Hands down. Not even a question. Okay? But we caught him at the right time. The monsoon helps. We, we, we snuck a victory out there. Now we got the Texans. This is a team that we should be able to handle. Then we got the Giants. and the Giants are 2-0. But that's a team we should be able to handle. We should come out of the first quarter of the season with a 3-1 and record. I don't know about you, but everyone was talking about Baird possibly starting 0-4, all right? That was a lot of talk about people who don't know shit about football, okay? But the, the way that they're playing – but listen, the more that this goes along, the more the Bears get ugly wins, guess what? The more chemistry they're getting, the more familiarity they're getting with each other, the more this defense shells, the more this offense shells, the better Justin Fields get. So the longer you keep having shitty wins and ugly wins and, well, wait till next week and, well, they got lucky and I, you keep talking – they keep people keep talking all that shit. The longer they keep doing that, guess what? It's not going to be talking shit anymore. It's like actually the Bears are going to be starting to get pretty good, right? The defense is really going to settle down and, and, and be a – a, a shutdown defense. This offense is going to be able to score a few more points than they've been scoring. All right. We're going to get uh, Vales Jones back hopefully in the next week or two. I don't know about Sunday, but in the next week or two, you're getting Keel Harry back in a couple of weeks. All right. He's their big, he's their deep threat. Their, their, their jump ball guy. Go get it. All right. Once you have everybody there, all right, just like the White Sox, they didn't have everybody there all year. How many, how many games, what, 10, 15 games they had all year where everyone's healthy. All right. Once they get back, they, the Bears have a lot of different, different guys on offense with different skill sets that you can use differently, all right? I'm waiting for those those crossing routes that we've seen Green Bay exploit the Bears with for the last, uh, I don't know, when, was it, when, did Favre, when did Favre start playing there, 90s? Okay, yeah. <laughs> those same things, okay? I'm waiting for those routes. I'm waiting for Bayless Jones to get open. I'm waiting for Darnell Mooney, all right? We don't have our a full complement of players. And so, yeah, it's, it's going to take – it's that in addition to it's new for everybody. It's going to take a while. Right, I'm not putting him in the Super Bowl. I'm not putting him in the NFC Championship game. I'm not even. I might not even be putting him in the playoffs. All right, but I'm telling you, this team is going to get better. All right, they're going to get better. They're going to get better. They're going to get better. And they're going to see a lot more games than than they should. They should win technically due to their talent. Okay, and we'll see. They may they may flirt with a playoff spot. Okay, but trust me, the the the, the biggest thing is is you if you cut down on the mistakes of Justin Fields and his his fundamentals and mechanics. And he gets better sooner, then watch out because this dude is a winner. I like what you say about Justin Fields with winning and comparing him to certain other players across the league. In my opinion, when they first started, you know, talking about Justin Fields as an NFL quarterback when he was at Ohio State, the natural comparisons were guys like Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray and stuff, guys who can use their legs and in addition to making big plays, aren't necessarily the biggest stature guys in the world. But what I'm really seeing a little bit from Justin Fields is a guy who just will try to figure out what he has to do to win. And he could use his legs. He could use his arms. The guys that come to my end and also got a little bit of hate early in his career so far for the way he's played. I think of Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles and Tua Tungavailoa of the Miami Dolphins. Those are two guys who went to Alabama. They were coached by Nick Saban. And they've taken a little bit. But now who's talking? They're a combined 4-0. Can Justin Fields? I mean, Josh Allen. 
they wanted Josh. They're trying to run Josh Allen out of Buffalo. Absolutely, absolutely. And Josh Allen's the same way. I, I think he probably has the highest ceiling of every guy that I named there, Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. But I, Justin Fields, there's no reason to think he's not right there with those guys. No, I do. Any, I agree. And it's part of the process, man. You know, it's if you thought that you know they're going to have a new offense, everything was going to click perfectly. If any of you guys thought that, you know, you guys were mistaken. All right, it's, you guys were just mistaken. It just it, it it is what it is. You know what I mean? It just you just can't. Um, it, offenses don't work that way, dude. They don't. You know the the Kurt Warner story that that's that's an anomaly, dude. <laughs> okay, it's an anomaly. It takes a minute. It takes these that, but once they do, and here's what they're here's what they're doing is what I love. All right. They're getting a system, okay? They're getting a system. So when Bayless Jones gets gets hurt, or if he gets hurt, guess what? They can put Tristan Ebner in there, or they can put a guy that they drafted from a FCS school or a, a, a guy who, you know, undrafted free agent. Why? Because he fits that system. He's good at what they do. How many Julian Edelman's, Wes Welker's, uh, Amendola's did you see with the Patriots? Those weren't world beaters, all right? But they seem to be pretty damn productive with the, with the Patriots. Why? Because what the Pats did – they had a system offensively and defensively. If you fit there, and they go only go after guys that fit their system. They don't care if you're the top top quarterback, top wide receiver, unless you're Randy Moss, and then that's a whole other story. But they go after guys who are going to fit their system. They're going to go after guys. It doesn't matter what college they went to, what level it was, how much money they made before. If you if you can do and you have that skill set for this specific position then they're going to go after you and they're going to hold you accountable. And that's what this, this organization is doing now. They had a lot to clean up. All right. People forget they had a lot to clean up from the previous regime. All right. What two thirds of the, of the, of the team is new now, right. They're trying to put their stamp on it. They're trying to get their culture set. They're trying to get their, their philosophy uh, inbred in these guys. And it's going to take time. All right. And and the, the sooner you keep winning, if you have Justin Fields continue to win, even if it's sloppy, guess what? Those wins equate to confidence. All right, and then the culture that they're talking about, they start to you're gonna start to believe it more than they already believe it. So um, I like what they're doing. It's gonna take a minute. All right, but just don't be don't be surprised if the Bears come out three and one after the first four games, and and later in the season or as the season progresses, all of a sudden they're at seven wins, eight wins, nine wins. Like how the hell did that happen? Because they're not gonna shoot themselves in the foot. They're gonna take advantage. They're gonna cause turnovers. All right, and then once they get in Keel Harry back and they have their jump ball guy, 6'4", with a 37-inch vert, who did, it, that, who did exactly that in college, well, guess what? Now, now, you're, now you're cooking with gas. Now you have a recipe for success. I couldn't agree more. That, that's very fair. I appreciate the analysis. Before I have you promote yourself on your way out, I'm going to put you on the spot really quickly, just right off the hook. Is Buffalo too strong to win the Super Bowl? You got a different pick, or to not win the Super Bowl, you got a different pick for them. And is Georgia too strong to win the NCAA College Football National Championship? Are there, those are the chalk picks your picks, or you got something else in mind? I think Buffalo gets there. Um, they're strong. Buffalo's real strong. I, I don't know. I don't know if if they might be the Rams. You know, they they seem disoriented right now, but it's only two weeks. You know, it's a tough call. You know, they could turn that shit around. Aaron Donald could be, you know, a Hulk again and, you know, just blow quadruple teams up like he's done in the past. <sighs> Buffalo, I think, definitely is coming out of the unless, – unless you get a, a key injury. Baltimore's tough defensively. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at teams who might be able to hope the who – have, who have stud defenses who might be able to stop them. I'm th- and I'm thinking uh, Baltimore maybe uh, – yeah, Baltimore might be – 
it would that would be that would probably be it. Maybe Pittsburgh, but I don't know who's what's the quarterback situation over there. How much longer is Mitch there before King Pickett goes in? Then they have the you got the, the learning curve with the rookie. So yeah, I guess I gotta say Buffalo coming out of the uh, AFC. I don't know about winning the Super Bowl, but I see Buffalo coming out of the East and Georgia. Dude, anything can happen, dude. In college, that's what that's what that's what's so awesome, man. It's that's what's so awesome. Georgia's tough. They got you know you, yeah, it's it's tough. You 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 might get a you know a, a, a another week as an old Miss team or someone you know they just they just overlook them and next thing you know they 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 lose 24-21 and a missed field or something. I don't know. Like college football, college football very rarely stays the same. You know, there's there's so many. There already been so many upsets. And there's a hell of a lot more coming. So it's, it's, yeah, I don't know about Georgia staying there, uh, number one through and, and, and running the table. I don't think so. Yeah, it's definitely really hard to do. Sean, I can't thank you enough for coming on our show. Before you head out, let everybody know what's going on with you and what you got coming up in terms of programming or any other sort of content that they could find on the interwebs. Yeah. So make sure you follow Sports Zone Chicago on all social media platforms on Facebook, YouTube, and on Instagram. We are at Sports Zone Chicago. On Twitter, we are Sports Zone Shy, C H I. Make sure you download our mobile apps or wherever you get your apps from. All right. Download Sports Zone Chicago. Take us with you on the go. Uh, and make sure you download us on our, our Roku and your Roku device. We have our own Roku channel. Uh, the, the best thing I could tell you is on Mondays, we have Eric Kramer, former Chicago Bears quarterback, who comes on every Monday for Eric, uh, Eric, Eric Kramer's court, uh, QB view. We talk about the, the, the Bears game the day before, so you're going to want to listen to that. He's very uh, uh, very blunt, very honest uh, in his assessment, especially that of Justin Fields, seeing that he was a quarterback and he is the he holds a single-season record for passing yards for the, for the Bears still since 94, 95. Um, so that you're going to want to check that out. Make sure you do. You, you check that out along with the other shows on a platform that you could check out on our Roku channel. Like I said, it's just like Netflix. You go on there. And you can you'll have the different shows. It'll be What's Up, Cuz. It'll be Sean and Maya. It'll be Second City Sports. It'll be Smoke Fellas. So you check out and check out whatever show you want to watch, whatever group you know show uh, show, and then whatever episode you want to check out as well. So you can check us out as you, uh, anywhere on the inter- on uh, online. There's more than enough ways to stay in touch with Sports Zone Chicago. I'm so grateful for your time. I can't thank you enough for coming on. Man, no problem, dude. You said 30 minutes. I was like, dude, I got an hour and 25 minutes. We can go. <laughs> we, yeah, got, we got time, man. The and conversation I, you know, went. The conversation you know what? Went. I, I love the fact that that we were able to talk multiple sports because, you know, football obviously is my strength, but baseball is close behind. Basketball is close behind. You know, hockey, I'm still working on on that. But, yeah, I love, I love being able to talk multiple sports in, in one sitting. So I appreciate it, man. Good stuff. Absolutely. I can't thank you enough for coming on. And everybody, make sure you follow at the Sean Sierra on Twitter.com and you can go there and find all of his work with Sports Zone Chicago. And before we get to the rest of the show, we are going to send you to a quick commercial break. Thank you, Sean. Hey, Vinny, no problem, buddy. Anytime. Zim, Joe, Vinny, and Gonzo. Join these White Sox fanatics every Monday night for the South Burbs Hitmen. You're going to be treated to great guests, top analysis, smart debates. South Burbs Hitmen with Zim, Joe, Vinny, and Gonzo only on the Barroom Network. Welcome back to Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi. I cannot thank 
Sean Sierra enough for coming on our show. I love talking sports with him. Like he said, the original plan was a half hour. Then he told me he had a little more time than that. And when the conversation goes, the conversation goes, as Lisa points out, it was good talk. There's no doubt about it. Before I end the show, I just want to have another five to 10 minutes talking Chicago baseball before we get out of here and begin what is promising to be a cold, crisp, fun weekend filled with great baseball division races. Hey, just because the Chicago White Sox and Chicago Cubs suck ass doesn't mean you can't watch the rest of the outstanding action going on in Major League Baseball. The New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves are going to have a dogfight to the finish in the American League East. Is Aaron Judge going to hit a home run tonight to tie Roger Maris' single season American League record of 61 home runs? Does Albert Pujols have two more bombs in him to get it up to 700 in his career? All of this stuff is going to be outstanding to watch over the next two weeks worth of games. I'm excited about it. The Chicago Cubs, we will put a bow on their season. We never really needed to have a eulogy for the Chicago Cubs at any point this season because they were dead before the season started by design. I'm not even ripping on them by saying that. It was by design. They're rebuilding. They're trying to get this thing off and running. They, were, they weren't as effective at the trade deadline as I thought they were going to be, but that conversation will come at a different time. The Chicago Whites. Oh, I'll give a little bit of a nod to my friend Cole Franklin, friend of the program. He's been on. He's coming on again soon. We have been chatting lately. He and his South Bend Cubs of the High A Baseball League are the champions of their league. They won a ring last night. That is outstanding. I'm very happy for Cole and all his Chicago Cubs High A teammates and we'll see which of those guys are able to eventually play for the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field one day. That will certainly be exciting. I can't wait to have Sean back on, and we will go over what is up next for him as he starts his career again on his way up the Chicago Cubs totem pole and hopefully into the MLB one day. I think that's a major league debut that I have to be at no matter what. Like, that's just my guy in the Cubs organization. I don't have many guys. I'm a White Sox fan through and through. I root for them. But Cole Franklin's my guy. I hope he succeeds very, very much. The Chicago White Sox are dead, and I am not happy about it. This team came into the season with World Series expectations. They were supposed to win the World fucking Series. And they go out there and put out that dog pile of a season? Are you shitting me? You got killed by Cleveland in a game that you just had to win? You had to win and you go out and lose 8-2? to two? Are you kidding me? That's a joke. This team sucks. Yeah, they're going to be over 500. Who the H cares? That don't mean you're good. That don't mean you're a complete embarrassment to an entire city after what was supposed to be an outstanding season. Let me tell you this. Jerry Reinsdorf, you need to get the H out of here. It's time for you to sell the team. I think he's going to. This is the year. And when a new owner comes in, I want him I want him to own. Okay? Look back at what happened in 2022 and say, how can I make this a winning franchise? Who the H made it where Yoan Moncada gets $25 million next year? I want him gone. Okay, whose fault is it that there are two first basemen playing right field and left field every single day? I want him gone. Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert have been out for a combined 200-something man games over the last two seasons. Who the H is the athletic trainer on this team? I want him gone. Who, Luyuri Garcia played how many games last season? He was in the starting lineup how many times? Who's in charge of that? I want him gone. That is a complete joke. 
This team sucks. You had a chance to make it to the playoffs for the third straight season for the first time in franchise history, and you blew it. I just cannot believe that this team had the audacity to after being kind of in a competitive game on Tuesday night against the Cleveland Guardians, and then you lose it in extra innings, to go out there and play with that dog shit effort on Wednesday night. You got Yoan Moncada lollygagging, taking a sweet time, throwing the ball to first base, and the runner ended up being safe. I just cannot believe that that is the effort that this team goes out there and they go out there and they walk up to home plate looking like they're a bunch of badasses. You're getting killed 8-2. to two. You have no chance. This Cleveland Guardian team collectively makes $130 million less than you. Do you know how much $130 million is? Do you know what Cleveland could buy for $130 million extra to their roster? Let's say they just F around and spend that $130 million difference this offseason, and they bring in someone like Aaron Judge. Okay, you bring in someone like Aaron Judge, all of a sudden you have only $100 million left. You could bring in superstars to be on this team that works hard and plays well, and they got Stephen Kwan and Jose Ramirez and an outstanding pitching staff with Bieber and McKenzie and Quantrill. I just don't understand how that team can, with so little, do so much more than you. That, as a Chicago White Sox fan, hurts, and it hurts a lot. This team blows. Yasmani Grandal, you're the highest-paid player in the history of the Chicago, of the Chicago White Sox. Excuse me, I almost choked on my embarrassment for this team. Yasmani Grandal, with his 60-something weighted runs created, plus 100 is major league average. Okay, what an embarrassing team. The approach to this team. What was Tony LaRusa and Frank Manichino doing all season long? It was clear that when Tony LaRusa left, the team started to play with a little bit more vibrancy, and it looked like they actually wanted to be there for the most part until it was obvious that they're done and they put out that dog shit performance on Wednesday night. I just can't believe that this is what the season has come to for the Chicago White Sox. I had such high hopes for them, and they've probably hurt me more than any team that I've been a fan of in my entire life of being a fan of sports teams. I've seen some of my sports teams have success. I know what success feels like as a sports fan. I know what failure feels like. I remember when the White Sox won the World Series in 2005 very vividly and how happy it made me. Okay, the New Jersey Devils went to the Stanley Cup Final in 2012. They lost in the Stanley Cup Final, but I know what it was like to watch them win big games with big-time players and on big-time stages. Okay, the Chicago Bears made it to the Super Bowl in 2006 and have pretty much been a dog pile ever since, but at least we had that one year where I knew what it felt like to watch the Bears play in a huge game. They, they made it to the NFC Championship in 2010, too, and then Jay Cutler decided to ride a bike instead of play football, but... You know, for the most part, I know what it's like to be on both sides. And I think because of that, this Chicago White Sox dog pile makes me more mad than I have ever been at a sports team. I hate this team. I don't hate the White Sox. That's not what I hate the 2022 White Sox. I never in a million years would have thought that there would be a team that I hate more than the 2016 White Sox. You know, when Chris Sale was cutting up jerseys and Adam LaRoche was bringing his asshole kid into the locker room and wondering why everyone thought that was weird. And Adam Eaton was a dickhead to everyone and no one liked Todd Frazier and Hawk Harrelson's leaving the booth in the middle of the game. I never thought I would hate a team more than that asshole team. They were assholes. 
this 2022 team sucks in every way. I heard a clip from the Cleveland Guardians radio broadcast yesterday, and they're talking about how people in Chicago don't even like this team. Ding, ding, ding. Spot on. They don't hustle. They don't look like they want to be there. They look lackadaisical. They hit the ball on the ground. Nobody tries to hit it in the air. Don't tell me launch angle isn't a thing. The 2022 White Sox proved that all launch angle haters are full of crap. Because if you don't hit the ball in the air and out of the park and split gaps and have a high OPS, you have no chance of winning. The White Sox are going to lead the MLB in hitting. And they got nothing to show for it because they can't drive in runs. You need power to drive in runs. Look at all the top power teams. It'll look like a recap of the standings. Okay? This team is a joke. This is the end for them. They are on life support. Their tragic number in the division is eight. Their tragic number in the wild card race is nine. And I can't wait till they reach that number. I don't even want them to make the playoffs at this point. Not a single person outside of Dylan Cease, Johnny Cueto, and Elvis Andrews deserves to play in the playoffs this year. I hope I hope there's big changes. They need to make a big move. I know Sean said that he thinks like a Gavin Cheats is like the biggest move. Trade Yoan Moncada if anyone will take him for a bag of baseballs. Make noise in the league. Make people realize you are a serious team. I thought that's what was happening when they cut Dallas Keuchel. You know, I thought that's what was happening when they signed Yasmani Grandal. Okay, it's not Yasmani Grandal's fault that he's the highest paid player in team history. It's really not. You know, would if someone offered you $75 million to do something, you would do it, okay? And he was great for the first two years of his contract. He sucked this year. We'll see how he is next year because we sure as hell know he's going to be on the team next year. Rick Hahn, you traded for Jake Diekman. That was your one big trade deadline acquisition, and he's the one who eliminated you by having a dog shit five-run 11th inning on Tuesday night. I'm done with this team. The Chicago White Sox are dead. There will still be put on your socks videos every single day until the season's over. And then throughout the offseason, whenever something big happens, I'm not done with the White Sox as a whole. I'll be here every step of the way until I take my last breath. But I promise you the 2022 season is dead. Enjoy the games while you watch them. Root for Eloy Jimenez to hit home runs. Root for Dylan Cease to win the Cy Young. By all means, do it. But in terms of wins and losses, it does not matter anymore. You're six games out of the division. You're technically seven games out of the division because Cleveland has the tiebreaker. And if you tie with them, there's no game 162. The wild card all of a sudden is more appealing than the division. And that's still out of the question because the three wild card teams are for sure going to be the Rays, the Jays, and the Mariners. So don't even come to me about the wild card. There's no chance. It's done. There will be no playoff baseball in Chicago. And that's a joke. Crosstown Crosstalk is worse for it, and although it really sucks, at the end of the day, I'm very happy that we have plenty of people watching the programs and seeing what's going on with Chicago sports. I'm never going to stop doing it, even even if that vein pops up in the middle of my head again, I'm still going to do it. And, you know, on South Burbs Hitman on Monday, we're going to break it down even more. And I'm certainly not going to be happy about it then because they'll probably have gotten swept by the Detroit Tigers this weekend up to that point, too, because they suck. And they're a poorly managed team. They're a poorly general managed team. They're a poorly owned team. And it's really, really starting to piss me off. So at the end of the day, football season is here. Hockey season's coming up. Make sure you tune in to all the shows talking about that. And as always, thank you for listening. Another happy landing. (laughs) 